um, one time I was driving to work and listening to like, you know, rap and I, I like aggressive hip hop and I was listening. <laughs> Someday I'll ask you to define that, but not now. Um, okay. So like, for example, I was listening to like run the jewels one day, which I wouldn't even classify as like super aggressive anyway. And I was trying to psych myself, like, I got to get out of this building. I got to be like in a good mood and talk to people all day. And so I was listening to like, it fully cranked and the windows were flexing. And I didn't realize there was just like a sea of children sitting there watching me like pound coffee and try to like psych myself into like, get out of the car, go inside. And it's just like, just <laughs> like, whoa, nope, sorry kids. I'm just gonna turn that off real quick. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Um, I don't know how to get myself psyched up. When I worked in an office, I had about a 15 to 20 minute walk to work and to sort of like just not be the person I normally am and become work person. Um, That didn't always work. I was still pretty grumpy shithead usually. I don't like being bothered and, you know, being in an office means you're just constantly bothered. It doesn't matter what you're trying to do. And you have to make small talk, like, ugh. Yeah, I had to learn how to do that. I've always been an introvert and making eye contact with people while you have a conversation and just like, I, so I'm actually pretty good at like just talking bullshit now with people. I don't like it. I don't like doing it. I don't like like this other version of me is just talking to people and I'm just like, ugh, glad I'm not that guy. There's so many times I'll all finish doing like a presentation or having small talk with someone and I'll go away and I'll be like, oh, she's terrible. And I'm referring to me. Like, I hate that part of me like hey how's it going like ugh. yeah god yeah so that's an interesting thing with like being a stay-at-home parent now too is like i don't get to go to a different place and be a different person for a while and like divorce myself from who i think i am versus the person i have to be in a work setting now it's all just me it's all just gotta try to do well all the time that sounds hard can't phone it in like i used to when i'd go to the office (laughs) Well, I mean, you could. You could just, like, plunk him in a laundry basket in front of the TV. No, I'm, in, I'm incapable of doing That's that. Great. I am your Cyclops archetype. I am responsible to a fault. No fun, Ben, I think, is what I, I was used to be called. Oh, I was the old wet blanket. Yeah, you guys would be like, let's go to a party and get drunk. I'm like, I don't know about that. I I gotta be, be home by nine, and, you know, we're underage. I do remember being at a party at your your place when you lived with Brandon and in the middle of the party you did start doing dishes <laughs> I remember I was like hmm, this isn't they're, interesting they were stacking up you gotta get you gotta keep them clean you gotta keep them clean it's, that's just respectful to fun other people is fun guys but come on like clean up after no, yourself no, you all keep having fun I'll clean the dishes that's a nice thing for me to do I I was the wet blanket in terms of like I think, you know what the sleepover is like, oh, it's getting late, ladies. It's probably some shut-eye time. Oh, God. You're lucky you didn't get sharpied every time. Those people, I think maybe they were like, is she, is she like, you know, do, should we be nice to her because she's not the same as us? all there? Yeah. And sometimes I kind of wondered, like, did they think that I am maybe on the spectrum or something, which I kind of wonder if I am sometimes. God, I wonder all the time if I am. And I'm not trying to say that as a joke. Like I no, constantly wonder no. if I, my inability to connect with people is, uh, is something neurodivergent. Oh, do you do? Okay. Sometimes I'll watch people. I like, I'll watch it. Like, especially when it comes to like women. And when I was like a teenager, 
I would watch groups of girls interact and I would, I felt like I was watching like, like a nature program, like, ah, that is how the female species puts on makeup. And I just, I never, it never made sense to me to like go up to them and be like, Hey gals, let's all put our makeup on together. I was just like, so awkward that I didn't understand how to talk to them. Yeah. The thing for me was that I was just always felt on outside as well. Like I never felt like I had a group of friends in any situation. Part of that was moving schools a lot. Part of that was never feeling like I connected with other individuals. So yeah, no, I definitely should probably figure out if I'm. But I think that that's a great thing that people are learning more about themselves at all times, because sometimes like I'll talk to adults that are like, well, I probably have a learning disability and that would have made school a lot easier, but what's the point in finding out now? I'm like, well, why wouldn't you? How would that make, well, and I like record scratch. How would that make school more easy for you? Would you have had maybe more support? Maybe, but maybe not. It depends on where you were, what kind of like financial supports the school had, what your parents believed. Like, yeah, there's no reason to think like if you have a disability, you have it easy. That's that's a wild take. Yeah, it's, I think you can, you're right. Like it depends on where you are that you can access different types of supports. But I think we're also moving towards a more inclusive education model in in the old Canada um, where you should be treating everybody. It's like, it's technically universal design for learning where everybody should benefit from like, you know, flexible due dates and like more understanding progressive assessment practices because yeah, like it, it, if you do have a disability and you need a little bit more support, that's great. But if you don't, you can still get support too. And that's fine too. Yeah. But that's interesting. This is maybe a good like introduction though, because as teenagers, when we're watching, trying to learn how to be a teenager, you turn to movies to try to understand like how to fit in. Right. So the question is like, should we have ever even looked at those other groups and people and been like, I'm supposed to be that way? Or was that something we were taught by John Hughes and his movies? Oh, John Hughes. I'm so conflicted. So we're here tonight, as you've certainly guessed, to talk about uh, 80s teen movies. Um, You know them. You love them. We are going to revisit our memories of those movies, talk about some things that don't really hold up, some things that do just fine, and some things that are problematic. And uh, it matters to dorks. Wow, that was rough. That was that. I I, I won't lie, Ben. It wasn't your best. Now let's hit the uh, theme song. Let's try again after. <laughs> Dork Matters, the the show by and for dorks, made by dorks in a tree of dorks. We're like little dork elves, Keebler elves, that make you dork cookies. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's a nice little image. Yeah, Uh, We grow on trees. Or we are inside of trees, baking tree. Yeah, because we don't like the outside so much. No, I'm not an outside person. Um, <laughs> I am your dad dork host, Ben Rankle. And with me, as always, is... Uh, your movie buff dork, Lexi Hunt. 
Oh, wow. No alliteration at all. You're just flying. Nah, just getting right in there. You know what? Fuck it. You are going to have to be the movie buff dork tonight. I have tried to bone up on our subject. uh, And uh, I'm like, good God, I need a week to prepare for this by rewatching every single uh, teen movie from the 80s. Because that's what we're here to talk about tonight or today or whenever you're listening to this. Time is a flat circle. Uh, We're here to talk about teen movies. Of the 80s. I love this episode. The good, the bad, the ugly, the ones that hold up really well, the ones that do not hold up. We're going to just shoot the shit on teen movies because that's what we do. Oh, yeah. We're going to get a bunch of shit wrong as usual. And that's half the fun here. Um, Can I start by saying, like, how many movies did John Hughes create? My God, that man was prolific. Yeah. um, So... It depends on if we want to look at whether he directed it or produced it or whatever. But if we just go by Wikipedia filmography, let's count these out. One, two, three, four. Thirty-eight. Thirty-eight different films. And a lot of them, like, I didn't actually know that he did some of them. Some of them, of course, I was like, I knew that one. That's a John Hughes. But... Like, Made in Manhattan? What? Yeah, Flubber. He was part of Flubber. He was part of Flubber. He produced Flubber. Uh, yeah, all the Home Alones, right up to uh, Home Alone 4, Taking Back the House, that uh, seminal classic. We watch it every year at Christmas. Not the, uh, the earlier three Home Alones, just Home Alone 4, the one everyone remembers. Yeah, the one that went straight to VHS release. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, it was even DVD at that point. Just DVD. But then there's so many great ones, too, that... uh, Actually, I was talking to John about, you know, what movies did you guys watch when you were growing up that you would classify as a teen movie? And he was more in the action side of the 80s and 90s movies. So he was like, I can talk to you about The Rock. How do you feel about that? But not so much. I think he, he said that... They watched um, Breakfast Club in school, which I find incredible. Like, why would you watch that in school? Like, it, listening to it, there's so many messed up things. Like, Emilio Estevez talks about super gluing a guy's butt crack together. Like, I know what I'm going to show to my grade nines today. <laughs> and and th- that's one of the tamer things that happens in that film, like, <laughs> that doesn't hold up. I mean, we might as well get into it. Let's start with the seminal classic uh, the Breakfast Club with, uh, you know, the greatest brat cast that you've ever seen. Everyone has seen this movie. We all know how it ends. That jumping fist pump in the air. You can hear the music right now, Don't can't you? you? Forget about me. It's, and I gotta say, best soundtrack. Don't you? I also like that like weird slide guitar. That's a great 80s sound right there. I want you to do it again. Beow! Nice. It's let's start a band. I can play the mouth trumpet. You can. <laughs> and that's apparently... okay. That sounds really dirty, but it's actually like. <laughs> I can play the mouth harp as long as we're embarrassing ourselves. <laughs> that's right. I play harmonica as if I couldn't get any loser here. That's a word. Hey man, I played the clarinet in the old high school I band. I played clarinet at one point years. too in the band. It's a great instrument. 
so Breakfast Club, which is weird because 16 Candles. Okay, let, let's let's go through. I feel like 16 Candles is probably the greatest offender of any teen movie oh, from you we're going to talk about. It's um, so bad. Yeah. And, you know, everyone loves Breakfast Club. I feel like maybe 16 Candles is a little less um, watched still. I mean, we can talk about them both, but let's throw into Breakfast Club first. Let's talk about some of the fucked up shit mm-hmm. that we remember happening and uh, see if it's all true. You guys let us know if we make up any. I couldn't get over the fact that, first of all, I was like, who the hell has detention on the weekend because that's more of a punishment to the teachers than anything like yeah that's not that's not happening and what parent would be like yeah but like i parents would be like no i'm not doing that yeah you want to keep my my kid half an hour after school like go nuts that's one thing i'm not but yeah they're not coming in on a weekend and what teacher wants to do that like you're not getting paid for that is that extracurricular at that point i think that there's just so many issues with detention as as a, like that's a whole other issue but to like spend your weekend i know they're trying to demonstrate that like the character of god what is his name the the assistant principal who hauls everybody mm-hmm. in it just shows what a miserable get he is but uh to me like that already i was like this movie is just setting me up principal for- richard vernon who go. like already is a problem because this guy just treats these oh, children so horrible. and they are children uh just awful yeah just like a way that he would have lost his job if it was nowadays there's no way he keeps his job past that weekend there's no way he keeps his job past like his first interaction with i think emilio estevez with the stupid devil horns and like for the rest of your natural born that'd be on tiktok in like five minutes there'd be a whole crowd of people knocking down his doors the school board trustee would yeah. be there be like nah you don't have a job anymore and as well they should like you can't I uh, there's one part in the movie where Judd Nelson's character uh, Bender. is playing basketball in the gym and he's like I'm thinking about going out for a scholarship and I was that's such a great point that like he could have just been like okay let's play and then like look you're building a relationship and you're not being a complete d-bag they're like get to know him just play basketball with him you're it's literally a Saturday and you're sitting in your office you may as well. Yeah. Instead, he he yells at him, if I remember correctly, and tells him he's, he's never going anywhere. Yeah, that he's a you know piece of trash. Just, just, you don't talk to people that way. It's terrible. So it's so just offensive to, you should never treat anyone like that. And you should never 100% have teachers speaking to students that way. That's just unacceptable. Uh, the movie is in the uh, National Film Registry of the Library of Congress. Uh for its culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant nature. So that's something that I didn't just read off of Wikipedia. I mean, it is a huge part of culture that kind of changed the way that we, you know, talk about things. Do you remember where the movie's set? It's, they're all kind of set in the same... Middle America. Yeah, like a Michigan kind of place. Is what I would guess. I, I have no idea. I can't remember anymore. It's a very white cast as well, which oh, is yeah. interesting. Um, yeah, what are some other egregious issues that we have with that one? Well, I, I don't like the way that um, Claire, so Molly Ringwald's character, she is berated, harassed by Bender. The entire movie, he's got his head between her legs at one point because he's hiding. And at the end of the movie, she like goes and like makes out with him and they become like boyfriend and girlfriend because he's wearing her earring and like that's you don't reward like a guy that treats you like trash, a person that treats you like trash 
it's not they're not gonna change <laughs> yeah i 100 percent remember it seeming sort of weird that that was like his his reward for having some sort of character redemption is that molly ringwald will date him and that's supposed to be character growth for her is that she's not so stuck up anymore she'll date somebody who's poor and abusive i guess or that like she's like pushing back against her parents or like i didn't really care for that part as much yeah but then like then you've got claire and allison um at one point doing like makeovers and allison's like the kind of the quiet one who's the artist and the freak who's she's choosing to be at the detention instead of being sent there and so Claire gives her the makeover and all of a sudden she's she she's she's all thatted. She's pretty. And now Emilio Estevez's character, Andrew, is like into her. If it wasn't for like before, he didn't see her. But as soon as Molly Ringwald puts a makeup on her and pulled her hair back. Well, now Al- Allison's a person. I just thought like, oh, that sends the wrong message. Yeah. But as a teenager, you were like, oh, that's how I get the attention of a boy. Yeah, I've got to conform to beauty standards that are set out for me. Yeah, it's it's not great. It doesn't hold up. It feels wrong nowadays. I mean, it's it's really difficult to watch and think anything positive of it anymore. <laughs> the soundtrack was good. Yeah, the soundtrack was good. But then John and I are having a conversation about that. And he's like, yeah, but at the time, that's what was a successful movie. And so how fair is it for us to judge something from the past by today's standards? Like, well, it's a difficult one. Like, absolutely. I think we have to, I mean, yeah. And also like, what does that really mean? The idea of fair, like, I mean, that's, it feels sort of like the wrong question to apply to sort of re-examining past media. Um, Like you don't get a past just because uh, it was from the past. Yeah. There you go. And the whole point of looking at something from the future is to reanalyze it from the scope that we have now. Like, you can do that and still acknowledge that at the time, that general awareness of these sorts of things wasn't what it is now. But that's not really the point, I guess, is what I'm getting at. I can understand the criticism of like, yeah, you know, it is, it's a, it's a questionable movie. But at the time, it was very progressive. And even now, like, I'm sure there are some TV shows, movies, books, whatever, that we think are pretty progressive that in the future, people have problems with. But that's the point. Like, if we're all staying the exact same, that's the issue. Could we not be able to move forward and then look back and be like, oh, shouldn't have done that. Let's have a conversation about it. I think the world and where it existed and when it was made is not where we are now. Like, that's not really the point. So Breakfast Club, like, none of these movies are really going to hold up to every standard that we have now. No, it's impossible. I guess the bigger question is, like, can I still enjoy this media the same way? And you can't, especially, I mean, I don't think this movie you can really, like, I can watch it. I could enjoy parts of it, I suppose. But I don't know. I don't know if I really even would try to rewatch this movie. It used to come on TBS a lot, so we didn't have much of a choice, but. uh... Yeah, I think now I would fast forward through a lot of it. Yeah, I can't see myself going back to rewatch this. Unlike a movie like Footloose, which I still think is a a fun watch. Um, Same era, same sort of idea. There's a lot going on in that movie, too, that's kind of effed up. Um, Like, I think the main character, whose name I cannot remember, but it's, it's Kevin Bacon, uh, he moves to the small town where dancing and music is outlawed. And uh, the girl that he falls for, her her dad's abusive, her boyfriend's abusive. But I think at one point her boyfriend actually just punches her. And I'm just like, why would you even? Like, 
in that sense, they're not trying to glorify that behavior necessarily, but it's, yeah. So that's the interesting thing. Maybe that's what you got to look at is like, is the depiction of the thing in the movie, something that they're doing as a, we're not thinking critically about this because that's the era we're from, or are they presenting it in that era, but they're saying this isn't a thing that should be happening. And that's a tough, that's a tough one. I can't remember that movie well enough, but I still like the dancing. You're, you like the dancing part of it, hey? Uh, yeah. Kevin Bacon finally in 2013, I think, admitted that he had a uh, a dance double for parts of that. But he did a lot of the dancing himself, he said. I did we know. not know that? I thought that that was widely I accepted. I, it was just a thing I remember reading a while back. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like that movie I could rewatch again. I feel like it's worth going back for the dancing. I don't know what would bring me back to Breakfast Club, aside from the soundtrack, which I can just listen to on my own. Uh, yeah, I would just listen to the set. Like, if it was on the TV. I guess I like Emilio Estevez. I like Molly Ringwald. Like, Then watch Mighty Ducks, Ben. Yeah, and that's what I do. We're going to have to do an episode on the Mighty Ducks. I love the Mighty Ducks. Game Changers on Disney+. Plus. Oh, there you go. Yes. <laughs> Disney+, Plus isn't sponsoring our show, but if they want to. I, <laughs> uh, I like Game Changers. Uh, it's a little weird. It's a little bit throwback. I, I can't say that I've watched it, but, uh, you know, take a i'll take a look see yeah oh are we gonna do a uh, dawson's creek episode or teen tv dramas of the 2000s and those are a lot of those are trash but like yes yeah i could talk about those just smallville oh my god buffy we need to talk about buffy what are we doing here because you know you have to deal with the josh josh whedon josh whedon i call him josh now he lost his privilege to have two s's you're striking us off the name um okay we have to talk about 16 Candles, though, because it is the worst. The worst. Like, there is nothing. I think that a couple come close. I could rewatch Breakfast Club. Yeah. Like, I could rewatch Breakfast Club. There's a lot I don't like about it, a lot that doesn't hold up, a lot of analysis of sort of like teen issues that doesn't really feel like it really got it. But uh, I could rewatch it. I will not rewatch no. 16 Candles. I mean, give us a rundown. Give us give us the point by point. What's wrong with 16 Candles aside from everything? If you've never watched 16 Candles before, don't. I will just run through it really quick. Basically, it's a party movie. Um, Sam, played by Molly Ringwald, uh, it's her birthday. It's her 16th birthday, but her entire family has basically forgotten. She's really pissed off about the whole thing. So she's a real B word all day at school. Meanwhile, she has this huge crush on this guy, Jake Ryan, who's like, the quintessential hot dude of the school. The perfect dude. And yeah. like everyone of their little friend group is just like, no, he's got such a hot girlfriend. They even show her showering naked in the girl's change room to really hammer home the fact that this, this lady is like a full blown babe. Wait, I do not remember this part of the movie. There's a, there's a, there's a naked scene of yeah. Molly Ringwald as a teenager? Not Molly Ringwald. It was um, the, oh, I'm sorry. the I girlfriend. It, Molly Ringwald and her creepy friend. It's so creepy. They're leering and watching her shower because Molly Ringwald is comparing her chest to Jake Ryan's girlfriend to be like, oh, she's such a, she's a woman and I'm a girl. Why would he ever pay attention to me? Because boobs are the only thing that matter, apparently. Mm. And then meanwhile, um, so at the same time, Sam, Molly Ringwald, her grandparents come to her house 
and they bring their foreign exchange students. No, we can't even get into the foreign exchange student. It's so bad. It's so bad. I'm not even going to, like, you can go look it up. I'm not going to say his name because it makes me feel uncomfortable, if I'm honest. But it's like a derogatory name that is just like, a, it's just so offensive. And every time he's... It's intended to mimic what white people make as sounds when they try to, you know, do Asian uh voices or, or or language and it's just it's just a continuous shit show of racism oh, and every time the character is on the screen a gong sounds yeah i remember like, that part so then sam goes to the dance because she still has a thing for jake and she has to bring people with her and now enter um michael c hall oh he's ducky oh. right and his creepy little character because no, that's um, Pretty in Pink. Come on. Jesus Christ. Oh, God, I'm mixing up movies. Well, I'm sorry that all the John Hughes movies start <laughs> to blend together after a while. Sorry, I can't specify which Molly Ringwald film we're talking she, about. She wears the same thing in every movie, no, too. She, she looks exactly the same. She, well, yeah, that's I'm fair. pretty sure she's in a pink dress in every movie. Okay, I will accept that. Um, Anthony Michael Hall's character is Ted, and they refer to him as Farmer Ted the entire movie, which I don't really understand why that's the thing oh he's the one that gets sent home with what's her face yes. right when she's drunk and it's basically, yes right yeah yeah it's a date rape situation have fun well and first like he's he won't leave sam alone at the dance he keeps following her around won't take no for an answer and she basically has to barter with him to piss off by giving him her panties so and then he pretends that he like got them how, however, and is cheered on by like a full bathroom full of dorks, uh, not not our people. But yeah. then this devolves into a party at Jake's house. Everybody kind of winds up at this Jake's house party where Jake's girlfriend is drunk and kind of an asshole. He kicks them all out and gives Ted the keys to his car and his passed out and the girlfriend passed out girlfriend in the back seat, and. Long story short, he winds up making out with her when she comes to eventually. Yeah, I remember that. And when she asks, did you take advantage of me? And he said no. And she was like, cool. <laughs> like, what? Wait, That's... don't they actually end up like doing it in that movie and neither of them remember it? Or am I thinking of another movie again? It could. I, You know what? Remember I haven't seen like, it in a while. I don't remember if we did it or not. And then they're both like, yeah, we did it. And it's like, that's supposed to be cool or something. And I'm like, and like a virtuous oh, moment. Where that I'm does like, sound about right. Yeah. I remember throwing up. Like, I don't think that movie even sat well with me in the nineties when I was a teen seeing it for the first time. I was like, no. Ugh. Yeah. 16 candles is gross. What else? Is there anything else gross about 16 candles that we need to mention before we move on? Don't rewatch 16 candles. It's no good. Don't. Well, it ends with Sam getting Jake and he gets her a birthday cake and, you know, it's this beautiful moment between the two of them. But it's just like she spent the entire movie comparing herself to other people about how she was shit, and not good enough for him. And he spends the entire movie pissed off at the world that he lives in because he's like this wealthy white dude with a dumb girlfriend and he's brutal to her. Like he's really mean to his girlfriend, like sends her off to be like you know ravaged by some stranger yeah he sends her off to get raped yeah and then it's like okay moving over yeah and i remember him also saying like a bunch of really crass shit to her before because she's drunk and being like i could abuse you yeah. all i want if i wanted to yeah it's a super fucked up and that's supposed to be a virtue for this guy like, he, yeah he's the good one that he looks down on her for being drunk oh yes yeah. 
fucking dumpster fire movie. And so this is why like people, you bring these up and they'll be like, I fucking hate Ron, uh, John Hughes. Yeah, Ron. Ron Hughes. I don't know who that is, but I hate him too, just for sounding like John Hughes. But I think so it's also you, like the the genre of like rom coms. Like, ugh, this is where it's kind of like stemmed from some of these teen movies. People think like this is maybe like the norm. Like, no, it isn't. This is this isn't good. What's next on our on our shit shower? Uh, weird science. Are we doing Pretty in Pink at some point? Pretty in Pink technically comes after Weird Science. Weird Science was released in 1985. Oh, we're doing these chronologically. Okay, my bad. Um, okay, Weird Science it is. So, like, are we even going to find teen... Like, John Hughes defined this era and defined what it meant to be a teen in this era. So I guess we may not get away from his movies. I mean, Footloose wasn't one of his, so that was good. But uh, that's wild. It's basically just a, a John Hughes shit episode. <laughs> Fuck you, John Hughes. But no, I've got some redeeming ones, and your too. Brother, and your brother, Ron. <laughs> From John yes. Hughes? I don't agree. I, I've got one. I've got what? a couple that I'm going to fight for saying they're good. Okay, you're going to have to try real hard to make me like like oh. John Hughes in any capacity. Weird Science, let's just get the premise out of the way. These two losers decide that they're going to robocode their... I'm just going to use fake science words because that's what they do in this movie. They're going to robocode their digi-ideal woman uh, and build her to be perfect and subservient to them. The whole premise is fucked up and weird and gross. And then through the magic of yeah, magic, magic of science. science, I don't know, this woman comes true. She's there. She suddenly, they built her and they can do anything they want with their new robo girl or whatever. And um, Only thing that's redeeming is a nice uh, title song written by Oingo Boingo, the uh, new wave band from the 80s. Uh, Oingo Boingo, yeah. I, I, like, I know that it was... This whole, um, you know, the dorks or the geeks straight back or like Revenge of the Nerds. And that was also another popular problematic movie of the era of just like dorks who aren't, you know, it's basically like these, the the nice guys, the incels. incels. Um, they can't get, no girls will pay attention to them because they're not popular jocks. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. So what we're no. going to do. No, this is great. I like this line we're writing. I like this. This is, we are, uh, what's his face from... Uh, it's always sunny. Dennis? No, not Dennis. We're not Dennis. Nobody's Dennis. Dennis is a sociopath. I was Ferris, say, Ferris Bueller's Dennis. He's a serial killer. Uh, well, that's Mac. No, not Mac. I can't. God damn it, Charlie. Charlie. We're Charlie at the wall Charlie. with a line, and we have just taken a line <laughs> from John Hughes movies to the nice guy phenomenon, and then straight on past that to the uh, the incel, the yeah. current incel uh, disgusting disgusting thing that we have going on. Well, all of like. It's all Ron and John Hughes' fault. Anthony Michael Hall basically played an incel for like his entire teenage youth God. of the best friend who's just waiting around. When's it going to be his turn? Gosh darn it, because that's what it takes. Yeah, and if I put in enough, uh, you know, nice coins into the the woman goshapon, I will uh, get the uh, sex prize in the little ball. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, fuck, as a white male, this is the kind of shit that I was taught to. I don't, like, I had some very strong, and I mean that, like, as in, of character, uh, women who, I mean, I could have been a very shitty person if I didn't have people that were better than me that helped me learn to be better. That shouldn't have been their responsibility, but, like, thanks for, thanks for being in my life to help me not end up like, like these fuckers. Because I didn't get that from, like, my upbringing and, like, watching this kind of bullshit or from, like, my religious upbringing. 
you definitely you definitely were taught that like the idea was that you put those you put those wonderful little like friendship points in and uh, eventually you're going to get what you want back out of it which is not a relationship with another human being it's vagina yep they just the pure physical nature of it but then if we can move on to pretty and pink which i think ducky is the worst character for that is the most blatant character for that i mean like he's oh yeah he's oh, he's, he's nice guy he is so horrible such a like you know kicking rocks and oh gee when's it gonna be my time nobody loves you like i love you like gaslighting molly ringwald's character unrequited yes. love sort of thing is supposed to be like romantic as opposed to creepy well and speaking of creepy then james spader's creep ass character is even worse because he's the king gaslighter of pretending to absolutely hate um molly ringwald's character andy but then secretly is like trying to get with her and like yeah there it is there's the douchebag and i did no guys like that in high school that would pretend oh we don't talk when we're at school, but then I'll message you on MSN later tonight. Yeah. I mean, this, this is where I get ranty because this is leads me into one of my, my hot topics <laughs> and also not a sponsor of the show. Um, <laughs> wish they were. Do they still exist? Oh, I, yeah, they yeah, do. There's one at Market Mall. Yeah. You can get like uh, records from them in film. They're the only place that sell record players in film anymore. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but this is one of like the things that gets me kind of passionate is, uh, that when this kind of subject comes up, men get mad at people pointing it out, white males specifically get mad at people pointing out that like, this was sort of the culture that we were steeped in, what we were built to be like, I feel like men should be super fucking angry that this is what society tried to turn us into, did turn us into like, but instead we, we double down on this shit. We get mad. We try to defend it. We try to defend that like finger quotes culture. Um, But like, we should be fucking pissed all the time about what society, what our society patriarchal and you know colonial as it is like what it tried and tries and continues to try to turn white men into like but but dudes just don't get pissed at that that's for some reason they just can't they can't find that and it makes me mad on a daily basis i see myself as sort of like this this robot that was built by you know these fucking people to do this thing and it makes me mad every day that i almost didn't have a fair shot at being like a normal-ish human being that could treat people with empathy and kindness because of of this kind of media of this kind of culture this pervasiveness and yeah fuck it 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 just gets me that other dudes uh you know aren't aren't just constantly pissed off about this well when you talk about like systemic racism and lots of people like there's no such thing which is bullshit yes bullshit sorry i hadn't gotten one of those in in a few episodes that's a good you gotta have one of those per episode i feel like these like not necessarily these ones but movies like these like this is a part of it of just like keeping keeping everybody in their place and telling everybody what role you you sit on that chair over there you wear that type of tea like this is and even like looking at the 90s movies, it's just as bad because now we have like, oh, no, yeah, definitely. Right? Like, it's just it's just as bad. And even now I was thinking, like, what are the the current teen movies? They're not that different, really. I, I don't really know. Well, no, because I guess it's still the same machine and the same system, uh, systemic system, <laughs> the same systemic system that's still churning this shit out. It hasn't like the decision makers, the money and stuff are all of a certain uh I don't know, persuasion, ilk, build. And uh, so that hasn't changed. So why would the content change? You know, there might be veneers put on things from uh, 
people at certain parts of the process, but the uh, the assembly line is still largely the same and and has the same intent. The blueprints haven't changed. You know, um, have I mixed my metaphor enough? Or is this pretty? You got, a, you got a little. They're good. Yeah, like yeah. It just so thinking of um, the other podcast, Art Intervention. There was one episode where I, I found out a lot of research about why the art industry, especially like art galleries and museums, are so white. And one article I found was talking about they're super white because those types of institutions typically they don't like they don't have a lot of government support. They don't have any like, you know, um, public money coming in that's really keeping the lights on. So you really have to rely on the private sector for donations. And unfortunately, a lot of the wealthy patrons for a lot of these big, big institutions are largely white patrons and they don't want to feel uncomfortable and they don't want to feel like... No, it always comes with strings. It's always coming with strings. And so they don't want you to be bringing in an artist who is calling out the white patriarchy of the art society. They want someone who's going to like, you know... Ruffle little feathers, but not be too, you know, radical. And so it's creating this industry that is perpetually keeping people in their place and keeping the dialogue moving along. And I think like some institutions are getting a little bit better, but it is a huge problem in the arts. And a lot of times people are like, oh, but the arts are, you know, there's so many black actors that are very famous and there's what what, is, what what does that even mean exactly like it's still an industry and it still has a lot of problems and i think we're just scratching the surface on the whole like me too harvey weinstein thing and even the fact that like me too was appropriated from a black woman who had been talking about it for years and all it took was like a couple white actresses to be like yeah i've had similar experiences and it blows up yeah well, what's that uh, that shitty joke uh, where like the white dude is like, "Well, if I was in charge of uh, of equality, you know, we wouldn't need feminism anymore, or something." Or like, if if I was in charge of feminism, we'd all have equality by now, something like that. It's, it's a that's a great joke. The idea is that the joke is in the idea of this guy saying that he could fix a problem that he is the creator of or part of the uh, the system. <laughs> that created. It's, there's there's the joke. You're supposed to laugh at the the premise it's, of the it's guy. It's so sad, though. Like, yep, that's there. It is. Speaking of sociopathic <laughs> white males, <laughs> let's hit yeah. Ferris Bueller. Bueller. Oh yeah. I mean, oh yeah. So that basically. That's enough, right there. Really, like Ferris Bueller is a sociopath. He manipulates everyone. He can't empathize with other people's feelings. He manipulates his friends into doing things because he thinks it's for their own good. Like he gets to decide what's best for Cameron. He gets to decide how Cameron deals with his emotionally abusive parents or like, oh, I wanna steal the car. Oh. But like Ferris Bueller's just a smug piece of shit. And uh, you know, Matthew Broderick, I like you enough, but you are much better in Godzilla 2000. Um, I think the real hero of that movie is Jennifer Grey's character, Jeannie Bueller. Jeannie is the true, because she's the only one that sees him other than um, uh, Ed Rooney, Jeffrey Jones. She's the only one that sees him for his bullshit, but she sees it more or less like, like a sister 
just wanting to rub her brother's face and like, you're not all that. How about that, kid? Like, it's more she just wants to prove him wrong, not ruin his life like Ed Rooney. But she's she's trying so hard the entire movie to get people to like see through his bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I always felt really bad for her because I was like, yeah, he shouldn't be doing all those things. Yeah, he he's he's a terrible character. Um, yeah, that movie. You know, you've got Ben Stein in there as well, and he hasn't held up well. He's aged poorly as far as his. Has oh, he? Yeah, his I, beliefs I, are pretty, oh. pretty shitty. He's a pretty smug asshole most of the time, and very conservative vent. <sighs> so. Uh, well, I mean, same with uh, Jeffrey Jones. Hey? Oh yes, I know what happened to him. We don't need to discuss that. That's just such a yeah, that's a disgusting human being. So we're better off. There's a couple like Charlie Sheen, like that's Charlie Sheen. I mean, yeah, he's the creepy dude that's hitting on Janie in the police station when he's like, "Why do you care so much about what your brother does?" And oh man, he's now the one I that kind of like helps her, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just be controversy more, comes first all Ben. just be more like charlie sheen is a thing that nobody should say no. be more like jennifer gray is what i think like the actor or the character uh the character i don't know anything about the in actor. this one neither do i i hope that she's not i hope that no one's like actually do we have anything that can bring us back like we need some redeemable oh. teen movies i had a little bit of being like footloose could could be fun still are there ones we can watch i've got i've got one more that i sort of like oh, i've got one i love i'll do mine you're more passionate i'll do mine first uh it's called um oh god now i'm blanking on the name uh-oh <laughs> it's with christian slater and he is a like pirate radio host pump up the volume um okay so there's some some stuff that doesn't do it for me which is sort of that like white suburban kid on we that you see in like the 90s it's technically a 1990 movie but it was produced that's when it was released it was produced in the 80s so it's got a lot of that sort of like uh like white teen on we that we see in like the the 90s a lot with like the navel gazing and like let's just you know not worry about anything except our our white privilege problems um so there's a little bit of that but there's there's also a lot of like like sort of challenging the way that um, kids' problems are sort of downplayed by adults or, like, uh, they're tried to be brushed aside when, like, you know, kids are actually suffering with problems. Um, one of the things is a student kills himself and, like, that's sort of a an impetus for the, the main characters to sort of go on and speak out about what's happening and tell, pe- like, tell the other students not to be quiet and to, like, live their, like talk hard is his line in the movie talk hard and like say the things that are a problem for you and not hold them back. So I feel like, I feel like I could rewatch that one again. I feel like it, it probably is watchable. He gets arrested at the end for his pirate radio, which is just such a great idea. Uh, pirate radio broadcasting illegally on the FM channel. Um, fuck. Can you do that? Can I, I want to broadcast illegally on an FM channel. Um, I think it is something that's elite. Like you have to be allowed to do it. Yeah. I mean, I just don't even know anybody who would be interested. Why why do that when you can make a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, I guess, you know, somebody would still have to tune to your pirate radio frequency. So they'd find you. Yeah. So the, the villain of the movie or whatever is like the FCC comes to find Christian Slater's character and shut down his, his pirate radio. The FCC won't let him be. Yeah, the FCC won't let him be. 
Thank you. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Thank you. I don't know why you're thanking me. You did it. That's great. I always like a good laugh, Ben. You know? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, give give uh, give pump up the volume a watch if you haven't. I haven't watched it in a while. I should rewatch it. But uh, let us know if I'm wrong about that and if it's a total trash fire as well. Well, um, I'm going to end this with a bang, Ben, because I'm going to explain to you okay. the greatest coming of age movie of the John Hughes era is Uncle Buck. It's- okay, so here's my thing with Uncle Buck. Is it a teen movie, though? Yes. You think? I think so. I watched it all. I I watched it with my mom and then I watched it with my friends when I was like 15. And I've watched it many times since because I don't know. It was about like, to me, it was about like connecting with an adult in your life. That's interesting. I I appreciate that take. I guess I just find like the centering of uh, John Candy as the main role. And that sort of takes it away from being a teen movie for me. But that's why I think it's like, it's key because teenagers are so stuck in their own bubble that it's hard to see your angst when you're living in it. And I think that was the reason my mom made me watch it. Oh, interesting. So you were saying like the point of view character being the adult, but having the show and the content geared at a team gives you some, some, yeah. some outside of your own situation yeah. some self-awareness. Be- interesting. To see like, cause, um, oh gosh, the, bop, 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 um, Tia, the, so she, Tia's 15 and she's the oldest of the three kids and she's like, if you've never seen the movie, she's a cow. Like the entire movie, she's just being an asshole for no purpose. No, I've seen it a, a number of times. I watch it every Christmas. That is my home alone. It's been a while. Though. It's been a while. And it's just because she's so brutal. And then John Candy's character comes in and, you know, she's got a couple lines that she says that are just horrible. So, so mean and callous. And then she treats her family like garbage she winds up shacking up with a dude who's trying to take advantage of her. And I think that this is really key. And a lot of people should watch it that if you are a 15, 16, 17 year old, and you are dating someone who is older than you, it is not an equal relationship. I'm sorry, it just isn't. And that's something that like, when I was a teenager, I was like, I can take care of myself. And so many times, like, yeah, to a point, and then you pass a line, and then it gets real tricky. And what I like about that is even though she treated people poorly, um, like John Candy came to her rescue and supported her and helped her to take her power back from this douchebag who tried to hurt her. Right. So in a typical John Hughes movie, we'd see her get a comeuppance of uh, some sort of degradation or sexual assault as, as sort of the yep. character arc. Like, oh, that'll teach you to be a, a B word. Well, you, you got you got what was coming to you, haha. But that doesn't happen in this film. Interesting. Well, it kind like it almost does. Like her boyfriend tries to pressure her into having sex. She's not ready, so she leaves the party, and he does like make fun of her. And then John Candy comes and finds her walking away from the party, and you know she's embarrassed and whatever. And then he tries. <laughs> he basically kidnaps the boyfriend in the back of the car. And then they hit golf balls at him to really like. <laughs> that sounds good to me. I'm fine with that. It plays. And I know, like, it's still you're right. Like, she's still like, there's that like, haha. You were almost like, you know, taken advantage of. That'll show you to. That's be, what you get for being yeah. a little bag. But, um, I just feel like of those movies, this is probably the one that has like aged the best because even like John Candy's character is so flawed. Yeah, I mean, and it shows like all these redeeming qualities about him. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a good uh, a good synopsis to me. I'd, I'd rewatch that. I'll give it a shot. 
and uh, y'all should give that a shot too. See, see what you think. See if there's some aspects of that film that we uh, we forgot that maybe maybe cause it to bump off a little bit. Although it sounds like Lexi watches it pretty regularly, so she knows what's up. I'm going to be really sad if someone out there is like, but did you forget about this scene? Because probably. Maybe, but you know, that's just, uh, that's just an opportunity. Yeah. That's just an opportunity to appreciate what happened there. And you know, that doesn't mean you have to stop watching uncle Buck. It just means we have to somehow create a 15 minute episode addendum to this, that, that people are forced to listen to that. Okay. So there's this part in the movie and we have to talk about it where things go, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I I have to imagine that we'll end up uh, doing a lot of retraction or correction episodes. Maybe that should be just yeah, a, fun off, a fun off week thing we do. We do, uh, you know, corrections and uh, just 15 minute episodes every other week when we're not on our regular schedule. So here's some shit we got wrong last week and we just list it. Yeah, just sorry about this. Sorry about the following things. Said this, didn't mean to. Ben, we haven't done Who's That Pokemon yet. Oh, fuck. Let's do a Who's That Pokemon here. Uh, I think we got another another little ways to go. Um, we should do a wrap up, but let's do a Who's That Pokemon. Is it your turn again to come up with Pokemon? Well, I've done many. I'm happy to keep explaining wet bags of sand to you, but do you want to take a crack at Who's That Pokemon? I didn't come up with one, so it'll be on the fly. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do, do one, it. unless yeah. you had one prepared. No, no, no. Okay. Okay. Who's That Pokemon? And uh, I will... Uh, will describe now the Pokemon with which you need to guess. Excellent. Uh, it's sort of like a picture. Okay. Um, imagine an upside down, uh, no, right way up, like a picture as in a, uh, like a vase, not a. Uh, okay. Like a, like a pitcher of lemonade. Yeah. 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 And then there's okay. like some, okay. some sort of leaves coming off, uh, leaf shaped protrusions, one on each side of, of this picture. Oh my God. And then there's also some sort of circular, balls atop the picture and are you explaining an actual pokemon to me or is this like a yeah yeah it's an actual pokemon oh i thought we were being cheeky here and it's, no, like... it's time time for us to break out our anthony michael hall <laughs> oh shit that's not bad I like, I don't okay remember. i change it it's no longer victory bell it's it's uh it's anthony oh, michael uh... hall you got it who's that pokemon <laughs> it's anthony michael hall I'm Googling a picture. Oh, Victory Bell. Yeah, it was a real Pokemon. Damn it. I think if I ever do them, they'll probably be real Pokemon. Um, we used to have to do a Pokemon episode. It'd be interesting to talk to to Mr. Hall and ask him how he feels about his his part in the rise of incels. I, I'm sure he probably doesn't see it that way. <laughs> I don't think many people do as a child actor. I'm sure there's a lot more going on. I am being glib for the sake of humor. Um, hey, Ben, he had a redeeming role in Edward Scissorhands where he dies he had a lot of uh good tv roles yeah too. he has he's had a very big career mm-hmm. <laughs> this is now the anthony michael hall podcast where we just uh talk about dissect him the different works of uh anthony michael anthony michael hall. i can't say his name anymore it's lost uh it's lost all meaning amh amh uh he's been active as an actor since 1977 is that something you knew wow no, that's that's a. Uh, he's fifty three years old. He was born in nineteen sixty eight, April fourteenth, in uh, West Roxbury, Massachusetts. Can we stop and talk about Massachusetts for a second and how difficult a fucking yes. place that is to say? I have such a hard time with it. I'd rather just like be like that place or write it down and point to it because I feel like I can't say it appropriately. 
Yeah, and I'm not going to make fun of the name because I don't know its origins, etymology or anything, and I don't want to step on something. But like just saying Massachusetts, like I've always said Massachusetts or whatever as a kid. I've always said it wrong. And then I was in New York and I said Massachusetts and somebody said, what the fuck is wrong with you? Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Okay. Yeah, it says it sounds wrong. Just say, okay, everybody at home listening, say Massachusetts. About five times, maybe ten times in a row, and see if you still like yourself. That's a that's a tough that's a tough homework assignment. <laughs> yeah, enjoy. Uh, what else do we need to know about Mount Michael Anthony Hall? That's it. I'm good. Let's move on. Who's that Pokemon? We're back. We're back into the regular show. No longer the AMH Anthony Michael yeah. Hall hour. The AMH hour. Um, is there anything else we should hit here on the way out? I mean... Uh, he produced or something Beethoven, so that's interesting. He also did Home Alone, which is a beloved movie. Produced, yeah, he didn't do Oh, it, I thought, okay. But still. That's good to know. He produced Miracle on 34th Street, which, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed. He did Mallrats, which again, like, is a very big Ugh. movie that I think a lot of people are like, that's a cultural icon, but like, it's also a very, like... It is... Yeah, it's not a good flick. It does not hold up. And it is one of those ones that like, yeah, as a rite of passage, as a 14 year old, at least around our neck of the woods, you definitely watched and thought was the greatest thing that ever happened. Shit pretzels. (laughs) In the back of a Volkswagen. It's just. Yeah. I feel like as the it's a really weird mix of like heartwarming children's movies and then like really problematic teen yeah. Raunchy comedies. Like, wow, that's an interesting mix you got there, pal. Yeah. It's it's a wild time at Ridgemont High, which is a movie I would have we should have talked about, but we didn't get to. That's fine. Uh and I don't really remember enough about it except one of the pens is in it. Who are I think it's Sean Penn who is problematic as well. Yeah, it's Sean Penn. Yeah. 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 Oof. There's yeah. We could we could there's a lot of other very problematic teen movies. I mean like We've got the whole nineties to stare down. Yeah. She's all bad. I mean, and that, you know, those are movies that I definitely uh can't hardly wait. Oh <laughs> I used to love that movie. Of course you did. We all thought it was great. And I watched it recently. Oh no, I know. Yeah, there's not a single aspect of that movie that I think holds up. Oh, you mean Seth Green's character isn't a redeeming figure isn't, throughout history? Is an absolute travesty. Yeah. That that was allowed to become a thing. Oh my gosh. That, yeah. The racism in, in that character alone and that I uh, like sort of characterization that we saw a lot of in the 90s and early 2000s is just wild. Oh, you know. Just wild that that stuff had no critical second thought. Like, I know we talk about like history and like culture as like these eras and like we didn't have this sort of like cultural awareness of these things at the time. And like, it's true, but also like so fucking what? Like that doesn't doesn't make it okay. I just can't see that as an excuse. Yeah, can't see it as an excuse. Can't can't hardly use can't, it as an excuse. Can't hardly yeah, can't hardly wait to use it as an excuse. Like I just can't use that as a way to be like, oh, I can still watch this film and not think of it critically, which I guess nobody's really asking anyone to do. Like, but then it like problematic media is a whole other topic. It is but, because it does beg the question of do we look at the art versus the artist because that like we're leading into that era and even like there's a little controversy this week with the old margaret atwood and her comments oh god 
And I'm not going to say that I told you so, world, but I did say that Margaret Atwood isn't a great, I mean. Well, I mean, she started to swing problematic for a while now. But, like, this is also the advent of sort of, like, internet as well. Is like, we did not have the information earlier on to know her thoughts on subjects that, you know, were outside of what she'd write about in her books. And maybe more intelligent people than myself picked up more of like her problems. I read her books, the ones that I enjoyed, which were like the Mad Adam trilogy when I was in my early twenties. I don't consider that I was even like a proper adult human with critical thought until I was 25. So like, like I, I still miss stuff all the time. And yeah, that's interesting. Margaret Atwood though, way, way to, way to hold my beer, JK Rowling. Jesus. Oh, yeah, I, I I did make a couple jokes of like, oh, she's really JKing herself this week. Yeah. Like just if anyone is ever like, here's my piece of advice. Just stop. Just don't. Just don't. Like, and a lot of times, don't weigh in. This is not a place for free. You know what I think about this? Nothing. You think nothing about it. Shut up. Oh, no, trust me. That's a lesson I learned <laughs> as, a white, as a white dude on the internet that's like more or less cishet, like, you know. Maybe maybe I don't need to offer an opinion on this. There's uh, there's there's going to be a lot of other takes, and uh, I could probably do the most for myself by just reading how this goes out. And if I have questions about things, uh, do some fucking googling and try to understand these uh, points that are I'm, I'm having trouble with. And well, uh, yeah. this has been a depressing yeah. and sad episode about our failed teenage <laughs> years of just just disappointing racism and sexism. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and again, this goes back to my really good analogy about like uh, conveyor belts and machines or whatever. Like we haven't fixed the problems with the uh, the blueprints and the machinery that's making this shit. So why would we expect it to be different? Um, different outcome just because we are con- now now we're aware mm-hmm. that, you know, the shit shouldn't be happening. But apparently we haven't taken the right action yet to correct where that's coming mm. from and so that stuff still comes well maybe in another couple decades we'll we'll get a little closer we'll see we'll see the rom-coms of the future are going to be more uplifting and diverse and positive okay well rom-coms are a whole nother thing we need to get into because nora efron teenage nora efron i'm coming for you i don't even want to talk about rom-coms because i don't think that i could say I anything other than Bleh. we broached the subject i mean we kind of came into the teen movies thing with the intent yeah. of having some positivity to balance it out. But there's still... <laughs> yeah, it's hard when you have about 15 to 20 years dominated by one figure who has a way of looking at the world that's pretty shitty and made all the like pop culture in that time. This is why you need a diverse so get... group of people making content so that you have a wider array of things to look at to form your identity. Because when you're growing up and the only teen flicks that are out there are made by this fella this is what he's telling you (laughs) like this is what a girl does she looks at the boobs of others and compares herself to them i mean he's not necessarily wrong but his sort of like reasoning or how that plays out is interesting like he's not saying anything poignant about female body issues or criticizing them he's just looking at something he doesn't understand and presenting it as a vapidness i guess well uh, I'm going to go watch Uncle Buck because I feel like I need some, some uplifting content. Uh, so this is the part of the show where we jump up in the air, pump our fists and freeze frame. And uh, don't you forget about me plays us out. Don't you forget about me.
credits. Thanks for listening. This has been Dork Matters. I have been your dad dork host, Ben Rankel, and with me as always... Your slightly depressed, teenage, angsty, teen, Lexi. <laughs> Great. I'm, I'm the sad girl from Breakfast Club now. Allison. No. no. Oh boy. Well, just wait till we get you a makeover. Emilio Estevez will finally be interested. I mean, that was the plan in my teenage years. So. Oh, yeah? You had a thing for Emilio. Okay. Well, uh, actually, my, my go-to was AJ from the Backstreet Boys, but you know what? Wait, That's, I thought uh... you told me Kevin was your go-to. No, now my, Kevin's my go-to. As an adult, he's the one that we pick because he is the one that is the most solid adult out of the group. As a teenager, it was AJ. I want to do an episode on the Backstreet Boys. Where are they now? <gasps> I know everything about them. I've watched the latest documentary. I follow... No, I could tell you, Ben. I could just... I know nothing, so I'll just ask the questions and you can tell me. Well, I can tell you there's a little bit of controversy. Nick has not had an easy life, let me tell you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's got some some grief with his little brother, too. Yeah. Who maybe went off the rails. His whole family went off the rails. The poor man lost a sister. Like, it's a whole... He has had a very difficult go of things. Let's not do that that episode. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds sad. We want to have fun things. Uh, we're just going to talk about Stardew Valley in the next episode. Uh, yeah. So see you then. <laughs> hey, let us know uh, if there are any topics you want us to uh, ramble on about. Um, we're always interested. And uh, if you enjoy the show, enjoy listening to us sort of just go off on tangents about whatever the fuck we feel like. Um, and you're enjoying that. We'd really appreciate a uh, rating or review. Please, sir. I'd like some more podcast listeners. Yeah, do an entire episode like that. That's a good one. Oliver Twist. We could do problematic Shakespeare. Do these Shakespeare plays hold up in the modern era? I can I can tell you. I feel like they hold up better than John. They Hayes, sure right? did, actually. <laughs> At least he had a black person in one of his plays. And it sounds like he uh, understood uh, young women better than John Hughes. Well, I mean, like when you die when you're 30, they've got a less, you know, smaller time frame to really be working with here. Just like Jesus. This is a weird ending to the episode. We should see if the Bible holds up. We review the Bible and see if uh, some of those passages really hold up. Should you really leave town if you masturbate and get sperm on your hand? What? Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, earlier in the old times. Wacky time. Let's cut this part too. I'm sure this episode, this episode could end back when we did the uh, "Don't You Forget About Me" song, and I think. It was <laughs> All right. Good night. Thanks for listening to Dork Matters. If you like the podcast, subscribe, give a rating, and tell a friend about us. If you are a fellow dork and have a dork issue that you think we need to discuss, tell us on our social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. You can also check out our original art and other content from Ben and myself. We'd like to say a big thank you to Yabra for the use of our theme song Dance off of their Astral EP, as well as a thank you to Jess Schmidt for producing and editing our podcast. Thanks, Jess. Dork Matters. This podcast is created on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Nations, which includes the Siksiga, the Bigani, and the Gaina. We also acknowledge the Stony Nakoda Nation, Sutena, and Metis Region 3. Dork Matters is a proud member of the Alberta Public Radio Podcast Network. <laughs> <laughs>